0: Hello, and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite subjects, and we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm doing so good. This was a fantastic episode. This was was so much fun, and please tell us a bit about our guest, too. Oh,
0: we had on Eliza Skinner, and I've been such— I try not to nerd out too much. I'm a huge fan of Eliza for a while now. I've her on Twitter. I love her work, her show that she's the head writer of earth to Ned on Disney. Plus uh, I say it in the episode, but it is a Venn diagram of things that are totally my shit, which is late night television and Jim Henson right. company puppetry. <laughs> and you really liked her album, right?
1: I did. She has this great album regarding my lovers. And she also has a, a great podcast too, a cool playlist pod, but her album, she, she does the first half joke, second half, singing she does it absolutely everything and she's good at all of it and brilliant as we found out today and i think i got a text from you the day you found earth to ned and we're just like they made this show specifically for me
0: (laughs) i think before i even knew like anything about it i just saw the news drop that disney plus is doing a late night show with puppets from the jim henson company and i was just like how 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 is how is somebody reading my diary and getting shows approved over at disney for
1: it it's (laughs) it was great and eliza skinner is their head writer and does a fantastic job. So we asked her to join us today. She helps us dive deep into the entire history of the internet and social media. We discuss how it was invented by ARPA to the incredible technological changes to some absolute disasters. And finally, where it went wrong in uh, social media, which we love, but has some huge messes. So we really got into it today.
0: Yeah. So, hey, let's dive right in. eliza skinner thank you so much for coming on today oh, i'm so excited for this one uh so i don't fuck sorry i'm i'm scattered right now <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me.
1: thanks for having me how about that <laughs> i know i god i feel like this is one of the shows where it was it was we did a, a show right before the election where it was just like 24 hours of tension and then relief and then right into recording and i feel like this is the same thing where i'm yeah, so excited exactly. to be here but also my body has not learned to untense yet so <laughs> yeah yeah sorry okay but we're, we're gonna keep all this in. Eliza, <laughs> okay. thank you so much for coming on. We we have both been fans of yours for uh, quite a while. You were one of the first names that we talked about uh, when we actually when we started talking about the show. So we really appreciate you being here. Oh, cool. That's nice. Thank you. And I know you have a lot going on at the moment, but Earth to Ned specifically, Wen and I have talked about uh, a couple times. Now, can you tell us a bit about this?
2: Yeah. Uh, Earth to Ned is a show on Disney Plus. It's a talk show hosted by Aliens. Um, the Aliens were built by the Jim Henson Company. It's produced by Disney Plus and Jim Henson and I'm the head writer and co-ep of it and it was really fun to work on. I was shocked at how much they let me do and how much <laughs> my brain ended up my weird brain ended up in that show but yeah it, it was it was a really great experience and i hope we
0: get to make more absolutely i hope That's so true. too because it's so ama- it's so amazingly weird and it's just the comp <laughs> like the combination of late night talk show and henson stuff is like it's just like the perfect venn diagram where I, i'm just watching it going like this is a show made specifically for me and i don't <laughs> know how economically that makes sense for disney plus but i really appreciate it um
2: yeah yeah well you you know, we got a lot of memos about you, and <laughs> had a lot of meetings. Uh, no, it's it's also a show made for me. You know, I, I did. I've worked on so many different late night shows, and. been a fan of that and I grew up on Henson stuff you know so much of my sense of humor was molded by the the Muppets so yeah it was really like a great opportunity to use my skills like it really felt like oh great all this stuff that I packed into my brain fits this show exactly that's fun that's that makes me feel
0: (laughs) useful it's just a great love letter to late night shows and like you could just tell like you could just tell that you know the Onion article where it's I appreciate the Muppets on a much deeper level than you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like anyone who relates to that, this show was made for.
1: Yeah, me. I think Muppets are the only topic where Wen and I both said we have to talk about the Muppets, and then both said, "But they didn't go wrong, right? We can't, can we not do the Muppets? They're just too good all the time." I just love the Muppets so much.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're they're great. It's you know, they're they're almost like a, a combination of a modern commedia and modern like Tarot or Zodiac. Like yeah. everyone is like like knows who, which Muppet they are. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a a gonzo with a piggy rising (laughs) and it makes so much sense, but no sense
1: at all. Right. (laughs) No, I think that's absolutely true. Like this, this was obviously, you know, uh, Harry Potter stepped in and it had to be houses instead, but no, th- th- there was just this ultimate relatability. So absolutely fantastic. And every time I see a new Jim Henson project, I'm instantly in. Uh, it's amazing how often they're all so good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a, it's a great company to work for. I've also worked for a lot of different companies and the amount of trust they had in me and all the writers and, and in everyone in every department, every it was a really great show to work on because every department was excited to do their job and to push the boundaries of what could be done with their job in service of all the other departments also. So like the art department was like just stoked to do art and how can they make our jokes even better with their art? And like the camera department was like stoked to get like perfect shots and light it. And a lot of times you have people kind of like looking over each other's shoulders in shows like, well, I'm, I have thoughts on what your department is doing and instead of just getting into the, the joy of their own, their, their thing. So it was a really happy place to work also. And I was just um, really honored to get to work with such amazing, weird artists across the board. In, I mean, we had these great people who were like in charge of making clothes for clods. Like what? Right. <laughs> That's a job? And there was a guy who was in charge of the animatronics inside Ned's head who like has... A piece at LACMA or or no at the Smithsonian. I think also at LACMA. But like <laughs> it, it was just such a such a fun, fascinating set to be on. Sure, just
0: the joy of it just kind of shines through in the entire production. And then to bring in Andy Richter as the first guest in a show like that, it just I I could not I could not love it more. I think it's so fantastic. Guys, if you're listening and you haven't checked out Earth to Ned, uh it's not, it's not like super topical or anything. You can pick up anywhere, you can watch any episode, even though it's a late night show it's it's not topical watch it it's it's fantastic yeah. if you love the Muppets show and all that it is definitely in that vein and I could not love this more thank you thanks so much it's really
2: nice of
1: course <laughs> today we wanted to talk about too the history of social media uh which also was the history of the internet uh which I thought oh this will be a cool thing to, to dive into because it's got so much background and it does and this is not my field at all and going through this it all felt so incredibly stiff but I still want to get into because a lot of it was very cool but we also have social media, which is, has been responsible for, let, let's start with social media, then I can get into some of the history. That has been largely responsible for most of when in my career. And I, I know it's had a, a big impact on yours as well. Obviously, a lot of it terrible, which we're going to get into too. But I mean, Twitter was our base. I mean, that was, when and I met off that too. We uh, two started uh yeah. met up in Chicago and decided to produce a, a show at Io together uh, after knowing each other through Twitter. So, I mean, your background here has been pretty similar, right?
2: Um uh- Yeah, I guess. I I mean, I I started in improv and then um, moved to stand up and stuff. But but as far as Twitter, when I... First started out, women weren't given a whole lot of respect in the comedy community in New York. The successes that we got were very often like, oh, well, it's not that you're funny or or have a or writing good jokes or have a good comedic brain. It's that you're pretty, so audiences think that you're pretty. Or for me, like, oh, you can sing, so uh, they like the way that sounds. And Twitter was a chance to just be words, just words on a page. Are they funny or are they not? And oh, I think a lot of women in comedy found success there and. It led to job opportunities because it was like well you know my these these jokes aren't being boosted by if I curled my hair or not, uh, it's just, do you think they're funny or not? And if I can write here well, then I can probably write well for Joan Rivers. And that was that was the first job I got, largely based off of people who already knew me from the comedy community, seeing my tweets and being like, oh, she's actually writing jokes. She's actually funny. Right. We hadn't <laughs> noticed when we were face-to-face with her.
0: When you're not forcing her to sing, she's actually a great joke writer. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm funny in the songs too. Right. Yeah.
1: So, so I think it, it, it was good for me, and it was I think good for a lot of women. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for, for us, the build has been when you you have obviously a, a theater background as mine. Well, man, mine was uh, was stand up, and then yeah, the the you know aside from a general hellscape, it also has the purity of jokes, uh, which is is nice to to just have the writing out there. But let's get a bit into the history of the internet here that led uh, to the social media. So let's start with World War Two. Oh
0: boy, yeah. yeah. We're going way back for this. (laughs) Man,
1: all right. So (laughs) World War II, they started trying to make computers work together. At this point, computers were basically just solving math problems. And for one computer to solve one math problem, obviously a complex one, those that are being used uh, to create the atomic bomb, this can take months. So... The idea now is just find a way to link up computers somehow. Richard Feynman, who, of, of course, was famous physicist overall and big in the Manhattan Project, came up with a method to allow computers not currently being used to solve one problem to work on different problems. So
2: they're like backups for the main computer. Right.
1: So one problem still took the same amount of time, but they could now solve three to four problems during the same period. So when one is working on one thing. So yeah, Feynman uh, doing something cool before all of the you know general philandering, <laughs> which we have other, uh, other Feynman. Fine- We'll do a five minute episode at some point. <laughs> uh, they're also able to have multiple computers work on the same problem this allowed answers to be checked i remember reading stories uh about the manhattan project where like all of this was so new uh and the stuff they're doing was so groundbreaking that they were waking up in cold sweats and going to check the bomb and it's because they had a nightmare a wire was in the wrong place and sometimes it was
0: well yeah because they were <laughs> working on nuclear bombs andrew like i hope that's a high stress situation it,
1: it is and it absolutely makes sense it was just the idea of like you mean that that wire wasn't in the right place until you woke up at 3am and went and moved it around
2: they're just like new parents yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is the baby alive? Oh, God, good. It is. I work tech support for workout belts, and I wake up in cold sweats about it. So I can't imagine if you have a nuclear bomb in the place where you're currently sleeping. Yeah, you're going to wake up.
2: Well, but they didn't know. They didn't know what nuclear bombs were.
0: They they were making them for the first time. They don't know how big that boom's going to be. They're making new booms.
1: Well, you picture it as being, because it was groundbreaking, but you also picture it being like fresh off the line, shiny. This thing had duct tape on it. You know, they had to put it together. (laughs) Like, it wasn't mostly duct tape, but it had a good design, but they had to put it together. So this is where computers start. They're like, cool, we're going to have computers figure out a way to check out the math here. Then they start getting uh, colleges involved. They began separating computer terminals from where someone would type their program for the computer itself. This got more people involved. You could allow people to experiment with the machines while keeping more delicate circuits and tubes protected. But this is still all hardwired, but it's seen as an early step toward cloud computing. And then you have the introduction of ARPA, who's basically... Job at this point is basically just stay ahead of the Soviets in tech. That's all they want to do.
2: Is ARPA a person?
1: ARPA is Advanced Research Projects Agency.
2: Okay, because you said who. So I was like, who is this
1: ARPA? Lady? Oh, yeah. You're but... <laughs> right, no, no. right. Okay. ARPA is now DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Because
0: immediately they're just like, we're going to make this a war thing. Well, that's how you
2: get more money for it, right? right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it is one of the most well funded aspects of anything in the government with a 5% success rate. Every weird project, when they tried to make robot B, that was DARPA.
2: I was not aware of yeah. that.
1: Yeah, when they tried to make uh, the, the liquid Terminator from Terminator 2, I mean, it was programmable metal, that was DARPA. Have uh, they
2: made the pink <laughs> stuff from, was it Deep Blue? No. The Abyss?
1: Oh, God, that stuff was terrifying when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. If they do, that'll be DARPA. The Robot
0: Beast thing is Black Mirror. The, the T2 stuff is clearly Terminator 2 stuff. So basically, I feel like these people's jobs is to watch movies and yeah. be like, we can yeah. do that. Well, that's
2: a, that's actually a thing I, I i went to a uh talk one of those th- q a's whatever they call them at, at south by southwest a few years ago that actually like a decade ago almost anyway okay. um <laughs> about it was it was by a um I forgot what he was called it was it, the, the name of something like a futurist or whatever but they he, he he was talking about his gig, which is basically a lot of tech companies employ sci-fi writers because their philosophy is we can make anything. We just have to come up with the ideas of what to make and we're not sure. So they like do read a whole bunch of sci-fi and then cool stuff. They're like that guy, her, let's get them in here and they'll <laughs> tell us what
0: we need to make. And they do. That's fair because iPads are basically the little tablets from Star Trek that somebody was just like, we could figure that out and they did yeah. they think mm-hmm. like so i okay i guess i'm not fully knocking the watching movies and seeing if a good idea could stick but i just feel like when you're just like let's make a terminator like you right. obviously <laughs> weren't like absorbing the lessons from terminator you were just kind of watching terminator well,
2: that's always a problem anytime somebody's working on robot technology i'm like so you've seen no none stories about robots <laughs> none of them because they all end up with this either it's because they love us so much they have to protect us from ourselves or they go rogue and and they want to murder us. Like, it's just it's one way or the other. They murder.
1: Absolutely never gone well. And uh, yeah, so when when we're destroyed by advanced technology, it's going to be DARPA. Also, at one point, this was during one of the James Bond movies. I think it was Thunderball, where he's got this underwater scene where they give him this little- You
2: can honestly make up any title, and I would believe that was yeah.
1: <laughs> a James Bond movie, by the way.
0: Yeah, there's right. so many of those you could really just yeah. throw Some out whatever ridiculous. you want. But yeah, Thunderball. A good murder to die, right. time for, <laughs> for killing. Is a kill. Honestly,
1: every James Bond movie title sounds like it is a bad, different language translation of a James Bond movie title. Yeah,
2: it's like they roll the like dice with a right. few words on them and whatever. They're like, well, it looks like Game to Die right. is the name of this one. All right. Oh, kill her now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, kill her now. I don't know. This could be scary, but James
0: Bond like, will return in a gun for yesterday. It's like, exactly. There you go. It's everyone's favorite her is her a Majesty's gun for yesterday. yesterday gun. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Like, I want these to be more, in, I kept thinking one of these is going to be more insane, but no, they have like Man with the Golden Gun. They Thunderball, I believe, with a legitimate title. It's, they're absolutely insane.
2: Moonraker, you got to tip your hat to. Right. Okay. okay.
1: There's got to be Onto one pussy, person sure. who who is not at all involved in writing the script, who is just coming with the title, because there's no way you would guess the script from the title.
2: Yeah, probably like whoever does the headlines for um, the Daily Mail. Right. Like
0: one of those really punny ones. All the people who write the articles are like, I don't write Write the headlines and the headline writer just gets to enjoy anonymity and just being like, what bullshit will get clicks today? (laughs) That's making James Bond movie titles.
1: Yeah, (laughs) so in in Thunderball they've got this scene where he's swimming underwater and they give them this little pocket breather they're like this is going to let you breathe for 5 minutes and the CIA calls them after the movie comes out and said we need this device can you give this to us and they said we can cut he, he couldn't breathe underwater for 5 minutes he he breathed for like 4 to 5 seconds and then we cut and then he did it again
2: yeah like we can give it to you but it's a prop it does, it does and it doesn't nothing. do anything
0: so- also <laughs> would James Bond be interested in working with us right. we love his work <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a good spy. I mean, not that we
0: spy
1: so yeah this is how they have arpa now who's like okay well the james bond guys can't give it to us so i guess we got to do it ourselves and it very rarely works but but they did also create the internet this was something they actually achieved as well as the mouse darpa was the one that invented the mouse so we use some of the computer mouse. the computer mouse uh and okay. gps they've they've done some actual accomplishments they've also just done the craziest stupid things out there
0: every device i feel like you should tell me the accompanying movie that it came from yeah <laughs>
1: Actually, that would be fascinating. Like, yeah, I mean, we know most of the stuff at this point is showing up in a movie before it's showing up in real life.
0: Look, we know Steamboat Willie inspired the mouse. We all know yeah.
2: that. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like there's so much stuff in in movies that, like, looking back, I'm like, that didn't e- there, that didn't even exist then, and now it's like i'm hearing like oh well it did it just only existed for the government right like i don't know if you did you guys see um pretty in pink yeah of course do you remember the scene where they're like chatting on the computers in the library and one of them is like who is this and they like put up a full picture it's like a yeah like a color <laughs> picture um like do you know who i am and like like at the time i was like that's what we right. can't do that <laughs> <laughs> Are there computers that can do that? And apparently, yes.
1: There were it was the CIA's. I, I,
0: okay, I okay. I'm not sure if I should tell this story. I'll figure it out we're later. Tell I'll, it I'll anyway, say yeah. it. So I have a friend whose parent like has a parent that worked in the CIA. Sure, and they a parent t- that did a parent. Yeah.
2: Oh, a parent. Okay. I was like, wow, a parent, and then a parent. Yeah. If the CIA has parrots, eventually they got to rehome them, right? Yeah. So you might end up with some sort of bird with spy technology. <laughs> just
0: a parent that just yells Soviet secrets that it overheard right. over the course of a lifetime. <laughs> ah, KGB! <laughs> no, yeah. a parent that worked for the CIA, and they were just like, oh yeah, we had satellites that could re license this place in the 80s. And I was like, you had what now? Like, I feel like that is still insane technology. And you had that back. That can't be. And they're like, they're like, there are a few drinks in. And they're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and they just kind of. Like, I was going to oh, say, man, I, I don't they
1: think their parents should have told too. them. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure their parents should have been telling them that either. I feel like there's a lot of trickle down issues here
2: well but then you also run into if like parents lie to their kids to try to keep them in line so could have been that where it's like oh well you better eat your vegetables don't sneak (laughs) them off your plate we've got satellites that can see you doing that they can read license plates so they can see what happens to those carrots you know we're gonna build build
1: this in
0: that this could be a lie so that we don't have to cut it
1: (laughs) right (laughs) So, yeah, ARPA at this point is basically trying to figure out packet switching, which is, you know, in the old movies when uh, they make a phone call and they've got the the switchboard. They have people having to plug in actual lines because the lines need a physical connection. A river
0: runs through it. Yeah, Yeah. It.
1: <laughs> so that's how it, it still works, but now it's automated. So the Internet was going to work like that. <laughs> But you had different connections, and this stuff was supposed to be instantaneous, and you couldn't have plugging in and going back and forth. So yeah, they had to find a way that, that they could bypass this this manual switching, because even if it was automated for computers, it would mean millions of physical circuits constantly flipping, often just for a split second before it switches off and another one switches on. It was just impossible. So they developed packet switching, uh, where different computers send messages along the same set of wires instead of each getting one.
2: This sounds like such a hot room. It's,
1: <laughs> that was actually my thought, too, where it was like, this can't be, they're going to be so many fires this yeah, is not sustainable like
2: the, the, the fans that would have to be going along with each of these these switching things right. like, ugh, just the droning
0: heat of whatever room all of this would be taking place in <laughs> just the thought of me switching tabs on my current google like pull-up is like in, someone having to be like oh shit like having to unplug and replug every time i switch right. between those tabs. i feel terrible for
1: them. right so this is supposed to be automated but they obviously realize we can't do this so they come up with packet switching where they send along the same wires which is also where they decide, you know what we already have phone lines wired throughout the whole country. Uh, so let's just use those and which made sense, but one thing that's also not considered is that phone lines are designed to register human voices and data moves much faster at higher frequencies, which phone lines aren't set up to to be able to read. So this was, this was a, this was a bit later uh, back in, in, in the 80s, but they have to start setting out test signals here and basically every time you turn the internet, on, it is testing your phone line to see how high a screech it can handle <laughs> to actually send data across. Wait,
0: is that why my computer yelled at me in the early? I could and late not 90s? get
1: confirmation of that. I really wondered if hmm. that was true or if that was if that was automated. But that was what the conclusion I came to too. It felt like it could be internal, but either way, they have to test the phone line every time, and it was just not working. I
2: don't know. I think I think those those noises in the ops that that was just about respect.
1: Yeah, I feel <laughs> that like just was showing like, us, who's hey, in charge. this yeah. is. This
2: This is some for real shit. And you don't understand it. Right. So it's like the orchestra
0: up. tuning up before a musical. It's just like, exactly. look, we're preparing you for a whole new world. And you like this is our prelude. You're you're easing you into it right now. Right. The curtain's about to go up, baby.
2: Especially if they're tuning up for um, a performance of The Little Mermaid. Um yeah. <laughs> but they I had a friend in the 80s when I was a little kid. He was like an older boy down the block, and his mom's boyfriend worked, I think, for IBM, but whatever, they had this thing they had like a a modem that he would dial the phone like push button dial and then put the handset on this modem thing and like it had like these rubber things that kind of fit around the the receiver and just jam it into that and then log on to some sort of rudimentary connect I I don't know if it was just a connection with like the office or whatever but we were very like whoa we're in in war games now right this is pretty much war games
1: at this point there a lot of these companies had their own Networks. So you had ARPANET was obviously ARPA's. You you had a lot of colleges had their own. Large companies had their own NSF uh, who eventually took over control. Once ARPA, is said, okay, our goal was to make this, and we made it, and we can't really kill people with it. Uh, so does anybody else want to run it? And uh, National Science Foundation already had their network set up. So ARPA being
2: so short sighted. Yeah, you know? just wait thirty <laughs> years or so, or you can get people She's to kill themselves come back with around. It. <laughs>
1: So, so, yeah, NSF takes this over. They're making a lot of answers, but they've still got all the separate networks. And also it is, as you, you said, this is still reserved for private companies, except some of the companies our are leasing out access in off hours uh, which is you know not really allowed but it's kind of testing it at this point they start getting uh, email up and running very quickly one of the problems they have early on is is just the fact that everything has to have a registered address and they need a place to keep all of this which ends up being Stanford and every time someone like unplugged a computer and plugged it back in the address changed and it had to be kept up to date because these things it couldn't be set from one place to another very easily so it be sent from place to place to place to place often as it you know is still done now but if one was wrong it wouldn't go through so the level of hot mess in the beginning was was uh intense here
2: yeah it does not sound very secure yeah
1: <laughs> no it, w- it was absolutely a mess so they say look we can't all keep this because it used to be you had the list on your desk and you'd flip through it and you'd have to plot who was the closest place to you to the closest place that you could send it to within that distance and then the closest place to them closest place to the place you were sending it to and you know maybe you could make it in five jumps this
2: sounds like cans with strings attached that's
1: what it was Uh, Which is why eventually they said, look, Stanford, you do it. And uh, Stanford's like, okay, cool. I guess you guys guess seem we're smart, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is as smart as we can get. We're yeah. <laughs> Any more smart needs to be somebody else.
1: Right. This is how we end up with IP addresses and domain names because they, they need a better system to improve that. But all of this uh, is interesting, but also very dry. And I, I don't think our audience can take that much. So we're going to skip ahead here, too.
2: Okay. This must be where Al Gore comes in, then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: single-handedly building the series of tubes that would become mm -hmm, the internet creating
2: the internet and being born
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to skip right ahead to the 90s which we've gone back and forth in a a little bit but at, at the 90s at this point it starts being released to the public at this point you also have isps and people can access it and when i started with the internet we had that monthly plan where we had a certain number of hours of internet you could use per month, which is one of those things I keep thinking back on. I'm like, did I imagine this? Was this really how it worked that we had limited...
2: And they would send those uh, CDs out. Right. Yes, those little
0: AOL CDs.
1: 100 free hours or whatever. Right. (laughs) Which also considering it took me like an hour and a half to load one game on Neopets, there was no way that we had enough time uh, for the internet. Also, I just remember my dad being like, you can learn so much stuff here. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? You want me to just go stare Pictures from a museum. I am twelve, and this is the most exciting thing in my life. I'm gonna go and do dumb shit really fast. Yeah,
2: I, I remember it being like a, a notable thing when some store or restaurant or whatever had a website. Like it was one more thing that you could do. Like, whoa, KB Toys has a has a site. <laughs> right. Cool. I can look at it, and it yeah. would it would have like some flashing icons and the address of the real place. And like right. that's
1: it. And no, I mean they would every whether you were a professional or amateur. All the websites looked exactly the same. It was you you had some sort of glowing, shiny font and something you could click on and absolutely nothing you could do. with. Yeah, it.
2: I remember going, looking at them and being like, what are these for? I mean, cool, I guess. But what what am I supposed to right. What do, you do with this? Yeah. Why is this valuable to <laughs> I anyone? I only
0: used it to make video games easier to play for myself because I would like print all the cheat codes off. And then I would just like bring them to sleepovers in a little binder and be like, I got these off the net. Yeah, so that was me. <laughs>
1: We're all making great use of the Internet as children. Uh, but at this point, too, not they like also I'm doing have...
0: any better with it now, Andrew.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what we're doing with the Internet now. It's like we're not yeah. we're not thriving.
0: This yet. show
1: yeah <laughs> so you've also got things like Netscape appearing like okay cool people will have the internet now they need a way to access the things on the internet uh, So Netscape appears in 1994 and the internet is now publicly accessible the number of computers using the internet exploded in the 90s and billions of dollars were thrown into internet startup companies. If you said you had an idea to do something on the internet you were given more money than you could carry
2: yeah I I remember that. And I also remember being like, as I said, what is this for? Where is the money? I remember my dad was really upset at my mom. Like in the nineties, a, uh, like one of the things that came up in family fights, one of the things (laughs) that came up in family fights was my dad being like, I could have bought Netflix stock and she wouldn't let me. (laughs) we'd be millionaires now and now i'm sort of like hey good thing you didn't buy that netflix stock right i mean right. where would it be? it be um but so my dad considered himself like a uh, an internet uh mo like he had he could have been an internet mogul, so like he got it. Yeah. And I remember having a lot of conversations with him where I'm like, I don't understand why any of this is valuable. Where's the actual thing? Where's the money exchange? And he's like, It's a very lucrative field. And I'm like, But why? <laughs> and I felt so stupid. And I was like, Oh, I don't understand this thing that everybody else understands. And then I was right. Yeah, yes. I
1: was about to say
0: you predicted. <laughs> you know, the exactly. Dot com. <laughs> there was no bubble nothing. bust. You asked the yeah. question
1: that not a single investor thought to ask. I think it was one of those. It was just very emperor's new clothes. Nobody wanted to admit that they had a billion dollars and didn't understand how computers worked.
2: Yeah, it was just like, oh, a lot of people are using this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, are they spending money on it? I mean, if you're selling computers, good, or- If you're, I don't know, reselling those AOL discs, right? (laughs) (laughs) although there's so many free ones. I don't know if you could do that. I remember there was a, I saw an article about some building in New York and in Soho, I think that it was all wired. This was when video was really new, uh, like right around 2000, like video on on the internet, but they had cameras everywhere. And their whole thing was just like having their whole life be constantly streamed. And like that that was like a huge thing, and that I was like again, where's the money? Yeah. how do they this this project had gotten them enough money to have a whole building in Soho, right, and
0: yet. It did nothing like they actually probably made reality television and yet they didn't figure out how to monetize it worth shit.
1: Well, and because of this, when the bubble burst, literal trillions of dollars were lost. Number too big to imagine. And what happened here was this was also around a confluence of events like the lawsuit with Napster because at this point the internet was it was fairly wild there wasn't much regulation you also had Microsoft at the same time violating antitrust laws and this led to setting up guidelines for what was and wasn't allowed online this allowed the companies that did survive to become a lot more stable but it also meant they grew into empires that could shut everybody else out that's how you end up with Google and Yahoo although not the tower it once was it was all these little companies bombed and you have Amazon and Google just absolutely fly and shut down for everyone else. And, and the, obviously the, the growth has been good for a, a lot of stuff, but it would be cool. I mean, because the, the destruction of mom and pop stores by the internet is discussed often, but like mom and pop stores online were destroyed by the internet too. The, there were some creative startups that just could not compete uh, with, with these new restrictions put up. But I, I think that brings us to about the start of the social media side, because one of the casualties of the dot-com bubble was GeoCities, which is one of the first social networking sites. And what was interesting about this was before GeoCities came online in 1994, before, there was a clear divide between creators and users. Users visited creator sites and looked at whatever had been put there without interaction. And... GeoCities allowed users to use use their site to create their own sites with their own formatting and background and content, and everyone with a GeoCities account was a user and a creator. Uh, and you could mess with other users and join groups of pages with similar topics and interests. And in 1999, GeoCities' 19 million users made it the third most popular site, behind only AOL and Yahoo. Yahoo bought it that year for $3.6 billion, but was hit hard during the dot-com burst, and finally uh, GeoCities wasn't shut down until 2009. Nobody was using GeoCities, was around for a while. I had a GeoCities site that was terrible. I assume you guys did too I did
0: not have yeah. a site I was just a big fan of learning nerd shit that nobody else would possibly know like yeah. anime and Star Wars like as a kid like I would just come out with like all this knowledge that everyone was just like how do you know that I'd be like hopefully some guy's not lying to yeah. me <laughs> well in my pursuit of trying to figure out how, how
2: why this thing was valuable I uh, like I learned HTML yeah. and I was like trying to put together websites I, I, ha- I definitely had a website that was just like just HTML yeah. <laughs> um just and it did not do much or say much but I I'm pretty sure I had a geocities one also like thinking like oh this will be easier I could just put some stuff in here but I think like right around here is like I, I know you're you're moving towards social media but I would also say that uh, a big important part of this was the value of a comment section yes. on all websites websites realized like like say, the 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 New York Times, any website with writing on it, but any website, they realize that people go to them more if there's a comment section, if there's interaction. So they're like, well, we have to make room for people to interact. So after we do our reporting that we spend lots and lots of time on and money, we'll just put a thing at the bottom where anybody taking a shit can yeah. write, <laughs> I disagree. Um, and there are lizard people. Yeah, <laughs> has to be on the same fucking page as everything else. No,
1: and I I think you nailed it, and I think that is actually the where it went wrong. was oh, sorry, did uh, I skip to it? The, the, no, 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 we're going we're going right into but it. It's perfect. Still right uh, in the flow. It,
0: it, it, it is. I was like, let's not skip this.
1: <laughs> no, because you're right. At, at this point, it's being developed. Where again, GeoCities did the everyone's a creator, and then they started with like, oh, okay, there are creators here, and you can be a creator or you user and then they did that we're going to straddle the line you can you can talk to your favorite creators and this is where everything got so fucked up because it was it was Power and anonymity just thrown together in a brand new world, and it gave the worst people the access they had desired so bad. And
2: it gave it, it put it put things on like the same level. Like again, New York Times or whatever, you've got a, a department that is fact checking things, that is calling people up and being like, "Is your last name really Smith?" Okay, good, because that's what we say in the article, right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then again, nobody McNobersons who doesn't know really. Anything that they're writing, they might. They, it would be a weird coincidence if they did happen to have some expertise in what they're commenting right. on. <laughs> but it's just anybody can come... It's like if the nightly news, which I don't like, I'm ancient and don't agree with um, uh, round the clock news. So I like also. Yeah. I agree. I like, I like a, a, a one shot news program. Right. <laughs> if the nightly news was like, all right, so here's our our thirty minutes of news, and now forty five minutes of comments from random people <laughs> about their thoughts on it. Good night. Yeah. Um, yeah. like, what? That should not be part of it. I should not. That,
1: uh, why is this on the same page? You're, you're right. And I think that was the the big issue, too, is was, was I was received as if because I said it as well, we're equivalent. And and somehow that has still never been broken. It's still taken the same. They still read comments on the news. <laughs>
2: like, yeah. And it also made it into, it made everything into an opinion. Yes. So if you're like reporting on, I don't know, some hurricane and a commenter is like, I don't really think hurricanes are that big a problem. Like, well, what? That's not, it still happens. Right. Like what? (laughs) Like, anyone's feelings on something were were placed in the same place as facts yeah. about that
1: thing. And it, it's a, a huge issue. And I, I think one of the aspects here that matters is, is that it was not treated like the experiment was because news organizations were still saying we have to cover both sides instead of saying this isn't a real side. This isn't a matter of opinion. We we're talking about fact versus is opinion. And in that case, you can just cover the fact. That's an OK thing to do. But the response instead was like, oh, no, we have to treat these as equal. It's like these are not in any way equal.
2: Also, I wonder if it made it okay to be inane. Yeah. <laughs> just like, like to have like yeah to be reporting on like some sort of like see read some like important discussion and then somebody's like my daughter-in-law won't talk to me anymore so i'm sad and crying <laughs> on my cat like right. okay w- what that's a part, of it? <laughs>
0: say, a part of it i mean it gives anybody a chance to say anything that they want for attention and also you get rewarded for saying the most outlandish or out there or most passionate thing because that gives you people commenting on what you're saying now so now the whole comment section is now validating or invalidating a person's strongly held belief or opinion whereas we're not actually going through and being like no that guy's name is mr smith they called him and confirmed it right they're like <laughs> yeah. well guess what i've been calling him jimmy mcfuckface for 20 <laughs> years so that's yeah. his name to me and everyone's now to, that's the debate and as now. andrew
2: said like that anonymity was key for that because that meant that you get the dopamine when people agree with your comment. You get to be like, I'm the one who did that. But if people bag on it, that's not me. That's Waffle Maker 67. (laughs) Who the (laughs) fuck is that? doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I think it is this because so many people are doing it all they want is the attention. So saying the most incorrect thing possible gets it for them. Plenty of people are just horrible and believe it sincerely and are, you know, for, for whatever reason, are, are need to engage and are going to be horribly racist because of what they believe. But there are also plenty that are just doing it because this is, it's the same thing as a three-year-old that just is, is throwing a fit. They just need the attention. And you've got a billion people reading it and giving it to them. Well,
2: and I wonder if that, if that normalized seeing it, a lot of three year olds throwing fits, yeah, I mean, adults be acting like three year olds throwing fits. You know, we've had terrible politicians and and politics for the entire history of this country and beyond. But, yeah. I also kind of feel like we're like, yeah, yeah, well, an option of a way you can be is loud and dumb. Right. And then we eventually elected someone who was loud and right. dumb in a dangerous way and believed that opinions belonged on the same page as facts.
1: No, and I, I think you're you're right. And obviously, there is uh, a, a lot that that is discussed with the structure of how information is output and received. Also, obviously, there are a lot of issues with voting structure that are an absolute travesty that skews it very much, but there's also the fact that, yeah, this is put out out there as if it's equivalent and that is yeah, so just dangerous. Normalizes. Yeah. And, and, and
0: have you seen what happens when they turn off a comment section? Like all other comment sections on that page are now like they won't let us speak our minds on this issue anymore. It's just like no, you like like you you cannot just get mad that you can't say whatever you want under a very serious article and they're like this is going to be bullshit. We're just going to turn off the comments and then your whole website gets attacked. For like, they have attacked the New York Times for turning off comment sections before, and it's just wild to see. Also, when you go into things like social media, we try to you know make it a democracy in like what people want to see, and it turns out we are terrible. (laughs) They want to see bad. We're we're terrible at that. We we don't want to see like fun stuff. We don't want to like. You don't really seek out news that makes you happy. Like everyone seeks out news to make them mad. I mean, (laughs) we're recording. I mean, we're recording this. You know, April (laughs) April twentieth, the same day. Yeah. As, as the show. Oh, they <laughs> the, the weed day. But, but if we're going into it, we're also the day of the George, not George Floyd Derek trial. Yeah, Derek Chauvin trial. I, about Floyd, I, it's not his trial. Chauvin was on trial. Sorry, that yeah. was a slip but up on know, my part. But you know, the defense often made it sound like it yeah, was right. his trial. But then immediately after, you have people, and I'm, these right-wing people that just want to uh, get a lot of clicks. They want to get a lot of eyeballs on their stuff. So they just start putting up the most heinous and hateful and ridiculous things they can and now if you look at the trending topics they're the two biggest search names right now i'm not going to say their names here because fuck those guys right but, like <laughs> they know how to get people saying their name a lot and to them that's clicks and that's eyeballs and that's what we let news be now
1: right. yeah
2: yeah i mean essentially the comment section became its own website exactly
1: yeah God, that is poignant and terrifying, but that's exactly what happened.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we don't even need the article anymore. We just do this yelling at each other. And while they they went and made a lot of comment sections on other websites, moderated and or made people start using their real names. Not on Twitter. You don't gotta use your real name. You can have a different name every day of the week, baby. Yeah. Is it Halloween? <laughs> make your name spooky. You can do whatever you oh, want oh, yeah. here. There are no
0: rules.
2: <laughs> but I mean, you can like, like people make up all these fake accounts. It doesn't act, it doesn't... What's so
1: scary to me is the level that it has bled into the rest of the world without the rest of the world acknowledging that this is the effect directly from this. That it was not that long ago that opinions weren't treated equivalent to fact. It wasn't that long ago that you had to earn a space to talk about something. And and not that there weren't a ton of issues with how that space was earned. There were plenty of people excluded because of it. Yeah.
2: And in in that sense, it it has been great that it's provided a platform for different types of voices. But we
1: need a way to determine whether or not or who that voice is and whether or not it's credible. And when I was looking into the history of this, I was trying to determine what exactly was the first form of social media. Uh, And one of the opinions I I, I found on this was the telegraph it was a, uh, an attempt <laughs> to communicate. Uh, <laughs> Tell me <electronic>, more. <laughs> it, it was a message being sent electronically with the intent of personalized communication. So it considered this. It was a stretch in terms of social media, but it was it was indicating it as a form of this. So I started social looking into this a bit more. <laughs> And it said, uh, 1844, Samuel Morse sends the very first message by Telegraph from D.C. to Baltimore. And the message reads simply, what have God wrought? (laughs) And the level of foreshadowing for what social media would become is so What monster
2: be here? I
0: feel like if you ever invented something in the past, you had to say something really dramatic the first time you used it. (laughs) Like, Like, what have God wrought? And then, like, you know, you drop the first bomb and you're like... Like, I've become death, the destroyer of worlds. Like, you have to say something, or you have to lie and say you said something incredibly insightful when you first used it. Except
1: for Alexander Graham Bell, who's just like, Watson, come check this shit out. That's a rough translation. His his writer probably
2: quit.
0: Yeah. Ahoy hoy.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't believe that all these people came up with this stuff themselves. I think they had yeah. writers. Sure. Also, also, you know, frequently last words aren't... That's not people's... Really of course. Words. You're not on your deathbed being like, oh, I feel like my butt's exploding <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> Remember me with this poetry. Like, no, you're yeah. just like... You're just busy dying at that point.
0: Your brain's just firing synapses. You're not actually <laughs> coming up with pure poetry to say in this yeah, moment.
2: But you've, but you've hopefully chosen yourself already your, your official yeah. final words. No,
1: if, if I say something cool enough, I want it to be my last words. I'm just shutting up forever. That's it. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> keeping it going until it ends.
2: Or just like keeping it an old piece of paper in your wallet so you can just repeat it. Especially after you say something dumb.
1: Right. <laughs> That's it. I'll just immediately say something dumb and immediately follow with something cool just in case I'm hit by a bus right then.
2: (laughs) That doesn't count anymore. That doesn't count. I said the cool thing again.
1: (laughs) So Morse had a a good idea of where this was going, apparently. And I mean, I, I think that that is essentially the issue is just the absolute worst people given a platform without regulation. And not only that, but they're given exactly what they want from doing the worst behavior possible. And then it was just one of those things, again, as it often is with this show, it's just the perfect storm of stupidity where everything happens at once, where the other side is not realizing quickly enough that this is a shift and our behavior needs to shift too. We need a form of a way to regulate. We need to be able to have real names involved. We need to be able to discern fact from opinion and, and not put them on equal footing. And somehow all of this is missed and we're just like instead well what if we have a different comment section where we say good things and that surprisingly has not worked
2: yeah well and I mean, at this point, I I fear that we are too far gone from the difference between fact and opinion. No one trusts the sources. Yeah. yeah. So even if we're like, oh, well, Snopes, for instance, has checked all these things that people then are like, well, Snopes is part of the cabal or right. whatever the
1: fuck. No. And I think that's a huge thing. It's like, OK, here's the documented fact. And they're like, OK, well, here's my printout from racism.gov. Why is your thing more legitimate than mine? And you can say, well, here are the sources showing us legitimate. And they're like, well, here's my printout from my same website saying mine's legitimate. <laughs> I
0: just got to say, Andrew, I really hope the government stops using that domain. Sometimes. That's a good point. <laughs> like racism.gov
1: is probably the issue here. It should be a .com. <laughs> there,
2: there was a, a time at which I think that, I think it was uh, .gop. Started, they, there was like a fire sale on .gop yeah. domain names. And I had some friends who just bought like all kind like everything they could think of, especially comedy things. Like I think they got like funny or GOP and UCB.gop, second city. G-o-p.
0: Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Look, if you can like squat on a domain name and make a lot of money, I support anyone who does that to yeah. somebody that isn't like an individual person. I hate it like when people would do it with like, oh, so there's a comedian under this name. Well, I'm just going to take that. Dom- there's there's that, those assholes. Oh, but yeah. I've had to, that happen to me. Yeah. yeah. But if you're able to fuck over like a corporation or or somebody who would be like <laughs> Ted Cruz, like or Ted Cruz's go, GOP website. Fuck well, that. Guy. But also, I,
2: yeah, I think it's that like most of those places wouldn't want the GOP. Right. Yeah. website and so it's like well, you're going to stop me from putting whatever I want on it. Right. And also just you get to just bragging rights.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> Why do anything on the internet?
2: Okay. So here's the problem though. So as we've said, social media has allowed for a lot of voices. I mean, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, like voice, different voices to be heard in a way that they weren't before. So there's that on the one hand, which I think is important and valuable and probably the a large part of the good shifts in our, or the, the, the shifts that I think the three of us would consider good. In our society and we're right
0: yeah <laughs> we're always right on this show.
2: <laughs> but the other side of it like I think about how they they took Trump off of Twitter right and people are like ah they're just silencing him ah but it's been like a lot better yeah I mean also he's not president anymore but like you just don't have to have that clatter. You're not hearing that shit constantly. And then it kind of makes me wonder like, okay, so if, the, if someone just like pulled the big Twitter plug, pulled the big social media plug, none of us had it anymore. Would that be a way that we start returning to there's a difference between fact and opinion? Like, because you'd have any ideas you're sharing, you would primarily be sharing them face to face, or at least with people that you already know over telephone or whatever. I mean not that this is going to happen, so whatever. But on the one hand, I do feel like that would we would yeah, we would have a better, an easier time discerning the difference between fiction and reality and fact and opinion. But how could we preserve the the more fair platform available to everybody with fewer gatekeepers? deciding who gets to
1: be heard and who doesn't. And I I think that is the, the crux of the issue is, is that ultimately we have so much more access to true information too. That's a great thing. And and also unfortunately the the right has co-opted the the term of facts don't care about your feelings, but then they use opinions and state them as fact. And and that's really the issue. Is facts don't care about your feelings. By the way, everything I'm saying is a fact. And it's like that that I feel like is is at the part <laughs> of the problem. If anything you believe is a fact and you have no distinction between fact and opinion, I think that's more of the issue than the fact that they're t- treated equal or treated equal It's that they're believed to be the same by so many. Well, there's
2: also nuance with it, right? Because right. it's, it's the difference between, like, I could say the sky is blue. I could also say the ominous sky crushing all of us with bad intent, yeah. just waiting <laughs> for its chance is blue.
1: Right. <laughs> And it's
2: like, well, I mean, yeah, the fact part of that, (laughs) right? But it was colored. I'm not just word, but uh, it was, it was, it, the nuance around it was very different. Totally As somebody who's
0: anti-Sky though, I agree with that. <laughs> <word>. <laughs> Fuck the sky.
1: You're right. It's a huge issue where it's, they it, they do the thing where they have one fact and then all the the coloration and the opinion around it, and then they're like, but the fact. And it was like, yeah, but the other stuff was there too. We gotta, doesn't that part count? And I, I don't know. I don't know if it would be better if it was suddenly gone and just left to, because it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like someone is good just because they're an expert too there are bad experts so who is getting the information out there I love that I mean as our, our listeners know I love research this is I love that I get to do this for the show that I get to dig deep and you know I found some very cool stuff just for this show where I find an obscure uh, article that or, or uh, a paper that I had never heard of by an author I'd never heard of and I get to go deep and find out some very cool stuff but also I make sure I'm checking my references when I'm doing that and this is someone that I can trust and has reliable information. And I, I think a focus on critical thinking is one of the most important parts of education and a focus on uh, teaching research, but that is a, a big step. Oh,
2: definitely. Ahead. Uh, I, I, definitely agree, like teaching people how to be discerning with the facts that they cling to. But also, I think not being scared of opinion changing is important and facts changing, because we learn more. I helped uh, develop and wrote on uh, the first season of Adam Ruins Everything. So for us, that uh, research was really, really important. And one of the episodes I wrote was about medical like wellness stuff and and the food science studies and how easily manipulated they are and how poorly reported they are. Because... Like a scientific study that is dry, but right. <laughs> you see some exciting words in it and you're a reporter and you need to get clicks and your fucking article with the comment section and you'll pull this stuff out and make it seem totally wrong and the total right. make bullshit seem true.
1: You covered the diet chocolate on that episode too, didn't you? Where they made that uh, story go viral,
2: yeah, yeah. We're well, we didn't make a story go viral on, on my episode, no, no, not uh,
1: this. You covered the story that was meant to go that was made to go viral as if chi- chocolate could be used for. Dieting. Yes. Uh, and yes, then we did. And on.
2: we also published. We also got the script of the episode approved and published as a research paper.
1: That was incredible, by the way. I love that moment so much.
2: Thank you. Um, But yeah, they don't even read these research papers. So you can send them a TV script and they're like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, this is a finding. So I think that some people, there's there's, there's this idea that if someone comes out and is like, you know what, we were wrong before, we've gotten more information, or I was wrong before, I've talked to more people and changed my feelings on this, then that somehow negates all information from that source. Right. Right. Uh, People look at it as like a
0: failing. If you're just like, I was wrong. It's like, well, why should we believe anything this person ever has to say? They were wrong that one time. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, a lot of people were wrong. This is one that was honest about it.
1: Right. And I think the idea of switching that approach to if someone has learned something, ideally they know more now. That's why they're able to admit they're wrong, is because they have learned something significant. And the idea that science is fact but not immutable is a fact with the information we currently have. Sometimes that is enough to be like, this is not going to change. And sometimes we find out about quantum physics. And I was like, okay, we have to move with new rules for absolutely everything we thought we knew. And it happens. And it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's... a Really exciting thing, but the ability to say I was wrong is a very important step that is hard to do. Well, and
2: also, like, absolutely, it is, and there's a lot of ego involved in it. But also, letting people in on the steps you took to learn the new thing, like, well, now we've done this, and because of this, and this, and this, we know these new things, and it 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 changes what we know to be true about the world. I mean,
0: it it comes out to the, you know, the 2004 election. If you get into that, like what was the big, what was the big thing other than swift voting? What was the big thing everyone talked about? John Kerry has flip-flopped on his positions. Every article was he flip-flopped. Like he changed his mind on this issue. It was used in every single attack ad. Like I can clearly remember this. I was 13 when this ha- when that election occurred. And like the, the thing that it was stuck in my mind, I was in Tennessee and I, I wasn't as well read at the time, so you can't blame me for this. <laughs> but the one thing I was like, oh yeah, John Kerry, though he flip-flops. And I was like, what does that even fucking mean? It means he like changed his views over time like anyone would. In their you know older years and for some reason it's it's become just a terrible thing
2: how often is there a flop with these (laughs) flip-floppers usually just one it's like i thought that whoops i think the other thing now it's not so often i think i thought this think the other thing now you know i'm back to that (laughs) but but anyway that's just semantic issue i have But yeah, I believe, like one of my life philosophies to help me when I learn something new that teaches me that, oh, I was wrong before. I mean, as you said, nobody likes being wrong. When you learn something new, you kind of have to admit like, ah, the old thing I thought was wrong. I was wrong when I thought that. Um, But you're supposed to be, I think, you're supposed to get smarter every day. And I think that that's- obvious but also like weird and upsetting to a lot of people if you don't get smarter every day then you just stay as smart as you were when you started when you were what 10 right
0: when you set all your opinions in stone and you couldn't move them from that day on yeah
2: when you were adult when you turn 18 you knew everything and you don't want to be smarter than when you were 18 come on anyway the comment section ruined the internet yeah <laughs> no. i just realized we'd gotten very far from that we, no no just...
0: but it, it all wraps up into each other but i think we got a good reason for why comment sections ruin the internet which brings us to the next section of this show which is in their defense where one of us has to defend the thing we've just been shitting on for about an hour now uh now guests usually get first choice if they want to take a crack at it but uh me and andrew have defended worse
1: yeah honestly comment section is not the where we have to we have to defend burning witches is always my go-to <laughs> comment section not that bad uh,
2: yeah well and burning witches like i mean there's there's no problem defending that if you're actually burning witches exactly, it was <laughs> just burning regular women right yeah, yeah. if there were if, if if there were really people like running around stealing babies and like bringing <laughs> dead goats back from the, uh, to life like yeah go ahead i yeah, should have had you on that it episode. i struggled
1: witches. on that one that's a good point <laughs>
2: Which is also why it's weird that that happens so often. Like, people love doing that in fiction, like, going to the, like, setting something in the witch trials and being like, but they were witches. Like, no, no, no. no, That's not why it was important. It was important. Anyway, that's a different episode you did. i I feel like I've already i already touched on the the only argument I would be able to make which is you know it, it let voices be heard that systemically were not like people of color like like women like trans people all kinds of like, folks that were not allowed into the 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 places of um the platforms of uh, great
1: reach. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that is a, a huge aspect of it. Is that it it because there were people that did deserve to be heard, that did deserve equal footing, that they just you know they just weren't given a byline, and this was a chance to speak out, and that was fantastic. You know, the the issue w- was not all those other people, but it, it gave a lot of of voiceless a chance to speak out, and I think that's the the only legitimate argument. For one, just going on on another side, I think personally. I'm aware I get much less hate as a comedian online than any of my um, women comedian friends, than than any of my gay comedian friends. I'm uh, a straight white guy. Occasionally I get anti-Jewish stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. It happens. It's
2: One of the oldest prejudices. Right. <laughs> always always come back and but, it,
1: that'll be there for us. But even then talking to, again, my women comic friends that are Jewish, they get far more anti-Semitic hate mail than, than I do. And I, I'm aware of the privilege that I, I have in that, that has given me a chance to mostly positively interact with people. There are a lot of annoyances to it, sure. But uh, it has been a chance for me to, uh, as we talked about in the beginning, the chance of, of writing pure jokes and seeing that response to it. You know, there's nothing like a live audience, uh, obviously, but the idea of someone can tell me why they like to joke and I can say something directly back to them is is nice. There are purely good moments that I'm glad I, I got to share through this, and I wouldn't have had that uh, without this open form. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I am a straight white guy who is was raised Catholic, so I'm bulletproof on the internet. Yeah. So <laughs> You can't even hurt my feelings at this point. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, please. Both of y'all could probably yeah. <laughs> devastate me in two seconds if you wanted to. And
2: yeah, there's a lot of anti-Catholic bias there too oh
0: yeah <laughs> yeah but every time they, and like i have heard and like okay i grew up in like the south where like there was a lot of oh, weird yeah. anti-catholic stuff like i like my wife like when we first started dating she had people like asking like oh he's catholic so you can't like that can't be a serious relationship can it and it's just like that's wild but still it's like that's like the that's like the little league of prejudices so i'm not actually <laughs> going, i'm not going to be like oh whoa, married, the Catholics. okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) exactly i'm not gonna go whoa i mean i'm gonna have my heart broken for the catholics over here but uh social media has given you know me and andrew have this show me and andrew have met Eliza, we're talking to you. This is great. Like this never would have I know. Happened. This is a never very cool happened. moment for us. <laughs> yeah. In a world where I did not have access to social media. And I've gotten to speak to a lot of really amazing comics on this show uh, and people that I've met with online just because of social media. And it is, it's is—it's an incredible thing. And it is just all a big open comment section. We've gotten so much music from people putting up things on social media. Uh, you know, My- MySpace became a giant music platform Facebook became a situation where people shared everything. You know, you get Chance to Rapper, you get all these SoundCloud rappers that that blow up. It's really given a lot of people in the arts, things that access to things they never would have had because they didn't go to Harvard or they weren't living on the right coast. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it, it it definitely helps people find their audience.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. The the bad thing is it also gives a lot of bad people a chance to find their audience.
2: Uh, and bad ideas exactly. a chance to find their audience. Like I was thinking when you said that thing that um people said to your to your wife that like, oh he's Catholic, so this can't be long term. Well, you you actually said I think someone said that to her, and yeah, like that's mean, yeah. this. Oh, okay. Well, that that's the sort of thing that like it's like that's not a common like massive prejudice. And if you're just talking about people in in real life saying something, I'm sorry, I keep having to move my cat who keeps trying to walk across the, <laughs> the computer.
0: It's if are about people like
2: <laughs> yeah. people in real life are like coming up to you at the grocery store saying that, like you you can tell that that's like a couple of outliers and what a bunch of what a what a bunch of weirdos but the internet <laughs>
0: Oh, the internet!
2: That is <laughs> those weirdos get to find each other and find even more of each other. So what would have been like the thing that one weird person said at a party and made everybody go ugh suddenly is like hundreds of those weird people have found each other and they're all like, oh, we we're all bigoted in the same way. Right. We must be right because there's so many of us. <laughs> if it was just if I was just one person at a party thinking this thing, I would think maybe I'm wrong. But look at me and my hundred crazy friends who think the same thing.
0: <laughs> Not only that, but like in real life, unless you actually like had a conversation with me, you're not going to be able to eyeball Catholicism from a mile. <laughs> like you'll, you'd see the red beard and you'd probably make some assumptions, but like you wouldn't know for sure. Right. Whereas At now least a Viking, like, something like that. Yes. Exactly. Now people can just be like Winsler powers, Catholic question mark. And they're like, we got him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it, it, it has gotten again, audiences for, for people and audiences for bad ideas. Like it's created fan bases for both.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that's uh, absolutely the case. And you're right, too, the fact that it has brought them together. Like, I've had jokes where it got almost no laughs, but I had one guy come up and say, oh, my God, that was so funny. And I kept that joke in for far too long.
0: I know the exact joke, Andrew, and I agree you might have kept that one for far too long because of that one guy.
1: Yeah. I'm very curious which one went thing to this. We're going to discuss that afterwards. Um, but right, the idea of just that that sense of vindication and how long you hold onto belief with just one person telling you, no, this is a good idea. When you find a hundred other crazy people that are all willing to back you up, it's like, yeah, that, that is a much harder, insane idea to let go yeah, of. Yeah, I
2: mean, I always like, this is a weird way to put this, but uh, I did a show like 15 years ago in New York, something like that, where everybody's supposed to be doing like, two minutes of stand-up. It was one of those things where it was like, all these different stand-ups. And one guy got up and he was like, well, rather than try to tell any jokes, I'm just going to use this time to talk about uh, which comics I have uh, jerked off to. And he meant female comics. And he started naming female comics and what about that like Oof. the instance that he thinks back to so he was like this person that this person. and um I was one of the comics it was there you know it was most of us were the people who were in the room that he that he talked about and afterwards all these people were like oh my god are you okay that's terrible and yes it was terrible you should not do that that's that's an awful thing but I was not as wounded as people expected because I was like oh yeah I assume everybody's jerked off to everything like everyone like after a while like your brain is just firing different thoughts and so after a while you're like uh, i don't know a potted plant or maybe that, <laughs> maybe, maybe joy behar and a, a hose I, I don't know maybe that like you try, but, but you don't hold on to all of those. right? And and you're not like, I should like, even this creepo dude was not like, it's Eliza Skinner every night. She's my brain girlfriend. You know, you just (laughs) let those weird thoughts go in and out and like, this doesn't define me, but the internet makes people think, yes, these are, these don't let that flat, that idea fly out your brain window. Hold on to it. Make it your whole identity because there's 200 other people who were like, Oh, I like that idea. Or I heard that. I probably didn't need the weird sex story in there, but like, <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like I Absolutely. like we've got- weird brains
1: i think it it, it's a good example of it that the fact that yeah there are most of these things that and especially once you become more and more online too and you start posting more and you have these thoughts that you would have just let go uh and then it's now like oh i need to not only hold on to this i need to share this and that is an unhealthy thought process to be in most of the time or it
2: might not be even even be one that you shared but just like some weird thing that popped in your brain and then you see someone else share something like it oh "Oh, you know what i guess it's fine to not wash my legs right. look at how many of us aren't washing our legs
1: god that became huge too
2: yeah and then people are like that's just that's that's fine uh, it's it's okay to have moldy legs
0: um, <laughs> and my wife were just like wasn't that a year are the worst joke from like three years ago yeah. Everyone's really so,
2: doing many, it? <laughs> so many different places um but like and, and then, and that's like a funny way to do it, but then it'll also be like racist shit like that right. or like misogynist shit, like all kinds of bigotry that someone says something. And then someone who had some weird little kernel seed in their brain of the same thing is like, oh, maybe I can water this and make it a whole tree.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's fair. It's like, it's like everyone's searching for like the, you know, when they have Jesus in the toast and they're like, well, this confirms my faith now. <laughs> exactly. <Right>. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're seeing nonsense toast and being like, well, I, I, I it's the truth. Looks yeah, the like I've never been wrong a day truth. in
0: my life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I should trust more of these weird feelings that I usually let fly out of my brain window. Right. Wow, they're probably great. I was right about
0: the toast. If the toast backed me up, I'm clearly right to give off my jerk-off list for two minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, that, that story ages poorly.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't think there was a single day where that story was right.
2: Well, no, I mean, it's not like, it wasn't like rat, but I was like, like, oh man, I mean, you have to understand being a woman in comedy in the aughts, people are constantly saying sexual shit to you. They're constantly telling you you're only on this show because somebody wants to fuck you. So a guy being like, yeah, here's, here are the, the times that I've wanted to fuck you, all you people. was like, yeah, that's pretty much the same thing I hear all the time. Whatever. Yeah, if if anything, this is, hack. This, yeah. is hack yeah. this is hack
0: material, which is a
1: horrifying <laughs> that it comes that normalized, but also like, yeah if that's what you have to deal with every time you're on stage, then yeah, I'm supposed to do unfortunately get used to it.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's these Gen Z kids. Good for them. (laughs) I applaud it. I was talking to a friend of mine the other night who, who came up with me in, in New York and comedy at the same time. And we were talking about how like, Oh man, we put up with so much and, and it was just fine. Like, I mean, it wasn't fine, but we were like, I guess that's just the way the world is. And like, we would yell at each other about it, but we, we didn't know that we could be like, it's Scott Rudin stuff. Why are we going so off topic?
0: (laughs) Oh, we're fine. We have a great editor too. So we're all going to be good.
2: Just that I don't know if you'd know the Scott Rudin stuff that's going on, but like he's being taken down for basically physical and emotional abuse at work, like not sexual abuse, Not domestic abuse, but it's still bad to treat people like shit. And we're like, oh yeah, we got treated like shit a lot. But like, that was just the way the world was. It was like, well, do you want to keep doing this? Or do you want to quit this industry? So, so yay for the kids now changing it all.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's a good summation of it. And, and ultimately what has, has happened everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that the absolute worst has continued coming through and, and we're looking for ways to change it, but that's the history of the internet. And I feel like that really <laughs> ties in well, because that is the biggest history of the internet. What we loved about it was the fact that it has opened up absolute world for us. and It has allowed new voices to come through. What we've hated is the social media comment section that has allowed somehow equivalency of expertise and just blatant racism. That that's it. Uh, Uh, Eliza Skinner, thank you so much for coming on today. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank
2: you for having me. Absolutely. It was a good time. Sorry about my cat.
1: (laughs) Honestly, cat, I wish we did this with with video so we could keep the cat in. Um, But (laughs) guys, speaking of which, if you enjoyed the show, thank you for listening as well. We have a Patreon as well, which we're going to have down in the show notes, which we now have bonus. Here's where we went wrong with personal stories and video included of our own disasters. Uh, We'll have one up uh, for this episode, so we hope you'll subscribe and check these out because that was uh, a lot of fun to make. So uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it Please subscribe. Give us five stars and we'll be back next week. We'll hope you see you then. See you next week, Wen. Bye. Bye.